You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Chris Cabrera is with the local Border Patrol Union, National Union as well. My brother, appreciate you making time for us today. So I, I've been noticing like Bill Malugin and uh, the Grifter, Griff Jenkins from Fox, they've been doing a, a steady report on some of the impressive numbers that we're seeing as far as illegal immigrant encounters and crossings. Can, can you share some of, of what you see from HQ? Yeah, you know, it, it's starting to pick up. Uh, it's starting to pick up with uh, with the vengeance down here again. I mean, for a while it's been um, steadily climbing, um, but it seems to me that we're we're back where we were pre-Title uh, 42. Uh, um, what is that? Muscle minnows, what is that number on a daily basis? Illegal entries nationwide and then also at, at the local sector, RGV sector. What What is it, brother? You know, with us, RGV sector, we, we fluctuate uh, sometimes a little over a thousand, sometimes just under, but we stay pretty pretty close to that number. Um, nationwide, um, we're seeing, I think, the last few days, I think we've seen well over two or three thousand, um, sometimes up to six or up, up to four, sorry, uh, daily. So it's starting to climb. It's a little hit or miss with, with a, a steady number, but it's, it's, it's climbing. Speaking of the grifter, uh, Griff Jenkins, uh, lovingly referred to him as the grifter. Griff Jenkins reported Fox. So this past weekend, he said CBP told Fox that there were more than 20,000 encounters southwest border between Friday and Sunday. So they came close to 21,000 individuals, illegal immigrants, that they encountered. So on Friday, almost 7,000 across the entire southwest border. On Saturday, over 6,200. And on Sunday... Almost 7,500. What is driving this right now? Chris Cabrera with Border Patrol Union. Is this seasonal? Is, uh, is there different messaging taking place where everybody knows that they can now stand in line on the asylum line? What's going on? What's, what's the messaging? Well, you know, you know, for, for months, people have been sitting over in, in uh, Reynosa or, or along the border, just camped out, waiting for their time to cross because of the Title 42 going away. But nobody knew what was going to happen. They didn't know if they came across, they would get sent back. Some of them are using the app and getting in. Some of them are, are just uh, tired of waiting, so they're starting to trickle in. And now it's at that point where enough people have crossed, enough people have been released, so that word of mouth is going around. So now people realize, okay, if I if I do go, they're not going to send me back. They're going to let me stay in the, con- in the country, contrary to what they put out when Title 42 ended. You know, part of the social media traffic is this massive train, this long train in southern Mexico, La Bestia, right? The, the beast. And it's full of human beings, people coming up from, from Central America trying to get as far inland. But that's nothing new. I, I know it's, it seems kind of new to some people. And it's kind of sad because uh, some people are barely opening up their eyes to how bad the problem is right now, which is good. We need more people to be informed. But that Bestia thing, that huge train full of people, that's like a daily occurrence in Mexico, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a very dangerous thing. You know, we've heard stories from young kids that uh, others have been pushed off there. Um, when it stops, for whatever reason, the people get robbed or, or you know, things happen to the women and children. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate that, that people take advantage of, of, of a crisis like this. Um, and and that, that thing is just as dangerous it can, as it can be. You know what's in the news again? Southern California, which, by the way, they've been dealing with their own flood of individuals crossing the border illegally going into San Diego. There's reports of people trying to shelter in the streets. Uh, they have shelters that are full in, in San Diego, California as well. That's 
That's another focal point right now. That's, that's a long, long walk. That's a long bus ride to California from, from Central America. I don't, from Central Mexico. I don't know how they're making it all the way out there. So a- anyway, uh, there was a report from NBC saying that more separation of families. Remember that, that standard battle cry, the separation of families, separation of families. They're saying more of that under the Biden administration. But to separate families, that, that likely is, I mean, I'm not here to defend the Biden administration, but when you have an adult and you have a child or two with the adult, I think you would need to confirm that that's blood kin, that that is a parent that's bringing in children. And so I, yeah, I, I don't see you know this whole family separation thing. You need to confirm because for the for the safety of the children, and that happens every single day. Yeah, you know that that does happen quite a bit. Um, one, you have you know what what say for the for the child there if it's if it's a, a family. Um, relationship and and we see fake relationships daily down there and then you also look at the uh the criminal history the status if if somebody's coming across and they're they're a known felon or or they have a a want or a warrant we well, have to take them into custody there we go um, the and, kid and, can't go to jail yeah, with that you person do, you just yeah you know so i mean and you know as far as some of these sanctuary cities they, they've been asleep at the wheel for the last year or two uh we've been saying for for years that this is coming to a, a neighborhood near you and, and they just, I guess, a figure didn't apply to them. And and now it's applying to them and now they don't know what to do. A little further east from San Diego, California and Arizona, the Democrat, Katie Hobbs, I don't know, maybe she her office is getting phone calls constantly. For some reason, she's in the seemingly in the fight now. She's in the news today. The Democrat Governor Katie Hobbs demanding that Washington do something about border security, which is kind of flies in the face for, of to some of her policies initially when she came into office. But I guess now everybody's whining and complaining to her that uh, there's too many people crossing the border and or ranch land near the border. So she joined some other people. I don't know if it was for political purposes or just grandstanding or just picture opportunity, but she's in the news today. She was uh, telling Washington to put politics aside, get some real solutions passed to provide more resources to the communities, do something about border security, pushing the federal government um, as they face a shutdown to put some money in there for more border security in Arizona. And uh, uh, Cochise County Sheriff Mark Donnells, that's a familiar name to us, saying that he's doing the best that he can right now to try to keep up with a flood of humanity coming at us. Uh, crossing the state of Arizona. What would you say is the the favorite crossing point right now for illegal immigrants? Is it the desert Southwest? Is it West Texas? Who who has the most when it comes to illegal crossings on a daily basis or weekly basis right now, Chris? Uh, yeah, if you look at uh, <clears throat> maybe the last couple months, it's uh, it's a constant shift between uh, Eagle Pass area, the Del Rio area, the Rio Grande Valley and then Tucson. And sometimes Tucson will jump up there and take the lead, but it's usually a back and forth between the Rio Grande Valley and, and Eagle Pass. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, nobody wants to be first in that, in that category. Yeah. But it's unfortunate that we're in the top but it's, three. But it's so hot, so dry, so dangerous, and so far away from the Central American border. Why are they choosing Arizona? Is it because Katie Hobbs is in charge? They think that maybe a Democrat will allow them in? or What's going on? Well, you know, in, in our area, it's it's the cartel traffic on the Mexican side. That's right. that's one of the reasons why people don't, not as many. I mean, you would think 
the vast majority, 90% will cross through our area because it's, it's the closest, it's the closest um, spot from Central and South America to the United States is, is the Rio Grande Valley. Um, once they start heading further west, it just adds more and more uh, time to their trip. But um, yeah, you would figure that would be the, the, the smart move. But I guess once you get into the, the cartel violence and what happens to the, these folks along the trip, uh, I guess they figure they'd, they'd take the long route and the scenic route as opposed to going through what some of these um, organizations do to them on the, uh, in Reynosa. Yeah, Chris Cabrera with the Border Patrol Union joining me. Are children still being recycled? They cross, they bring adults in, they send them back to Mexico to bring some more adults in. Are they still being recycled? What are folks at investigations telling you? Um, you know, I, I, I know it does happen. It's, it's hard for us to, to get a, a handle on it. Obviously, if we get a handle on it, we'll stop it. But it's just like with, with anything, like with Godaways, um, you know, we, we can't be everywhere all the time and, and see everything. And so, you know, I'm sure it's still happening. It's unfortunate that it happens. But uh, until these folks wake up, uh, I guess they, they've been asleep for a while, until they wake up and, oh, and realize are. that this is a serious problem. Um, it's going to continue, and people are going to continue trying to cross in the desert and, and, and die. People are going to continue to, to drown in the river, and, and women and children are going to Stories that are never continually told, be taken advantage yeah, of. Never yep. told, never emphasized by the New York media, the national press, spoon-feeding information to hardworking people nationwide, and it's, it's a travesty. It's, it's a crime. I think it's criminal uh, what the, the national press does in, in hiding all this information and just willfully not reporting it. And speaking of waking up in New York, they're waking up. Just a final thought from you. Look, I started this um, commentary segment, a small stack of, of news and information looking at Illinois, uh, Chicago, people complaining about huge shelters that are opening up for illegals. In New York, outside of New York City, uh, there were some complaints of Eric Adams in New York City proper sending people to counties outside New York City. And now they're dealing with illegal immigrants in in smaller communities outside and they, they were dealing with a stash house like 30 some odd people in one small home 1500 square foot home 30 some odd people nothing new to the border stash houses for us what can you tell me what have you seen of late as far as stash house activity in the rgv holding illegal immigrants you know nothing's changed uh, the stash houses are, are still there they're they're still operating we, we still have folks that are that are trying how often like, do you um, encounter one of those? Uh, do they get called in to sheriff's office, called into authorities? How often do you see those, and how bad is it? How big are they? It, it's a daily occurrence, whether they're called in or our guys are out there hunting them down through the, the intel process. So, um, you know, some of them come from concerned citizens or, or police calls, and the rest are from our guys uh, generating that intelligence and, and finding them. So it, it's a daily occurrence out there. Right. That smuggling is still a daily occurrence out here. Be safe, amigo. Thank you, Chris, uh, again, for Thank indulging you. us all this airtime. Chris Cabetta with our local Border Patrol and National Border Patrol Union. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. 
You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Victor Avila is a former a supervisory special agent for Immigration Customs Enforcement. And I welcome him back to the program. Thank you for calling in, Victor. Let's start with the emergency declaration at Eagle Pass. Most of this really not being reported by the so-called legacy press. I call them the dinosaur press, ABC, CBS, NBC. Just, it's a, a total, um, it, it's a complete insult of what they do for a living, which is journalism and, and the press and not reporting this to the American people. But let's start with the emergency dec- declaration at Eagle Pass. Uh, have you seen it? What, what are your colleagues telling you on the front lines out there, Victor? No, thank you so much for having me back, Sergio. As a matter of fact, I was just there in Eagle Pass uh, uh, a week and a half ago, and a lot, of, a lot of things that one thing that people are not talking about, and obviously the emergency because of sheer numbers, uh, the numbers that I just got last night. There's about four, four to five thousand just underneath the bridge right now in Eagle Pass, Texas alone. And um, one thing to to keep in mind here. Is the the illegals, the cartels, everybody, they know exactly what this administration is doing and they react based on what's happening or what's gonna happen. And if you if you if you keep close attention, uh there's this uh you know eminent uh you know we're looking at if this go- the government's gonna shut down, right? And a lot of the Republicans, not the ones that I want to vote, especially the one I'm running against, will not jump on this, but there's uh, about twenty Republicans who are saying we are not going to fund the continued resolution unless border security is part of that continued resolution. And so there's a threat of the government shutting down. What does that mean? That if uh, the illegals hear that and say, wait a minute, they might not let us in, so let's go before the end of the month, because that's September 30th, next Mm -hmm. week. And so that's possibly a reason why you see the influx of them coming. Now, uh, Eagle Pass is is overrun right now, and, and the declaration is is uh, definitely merited to hopefully get some more resources. But the Biden administration is ignoring this, and ignoring it doesn't mean that it goes away. I just got back three days ago from El Paso, Texas. The facility there is at over 5,000, which is way over capacity. They're releasing 1,000 a day to the streets, to downtown El Paso. They're living in the placita there. It is, uh, wow. it is really something else. And then if you heard, on top of all this, uh, the Biden administration has issued a temporary protective status, that TPS that you've all heard about, to uh, like 400,000 Venezuelans, giving them this temporary protective status, which then gives them work permits and, and a path to stay here. But also, it keeps ICE officials from the Interior Enforcement from going and picking them up and deporting them. This is deliberate, Sergio. This is, I mean, if people do not recognize that they're fundamentally changing the, the the fabric of our country illegally, whether it's through paroles, whether it's through the CBP-1 app, whether it's through all these issues that they're doing, they're circumventing the asylum laws. This is illegal. This is not the right way to do it. And I don't see anyone from either the Republicans or the Democrats doing anything about it. He is author of Agent Under Fire. My guest is retired supervisory special agent, for ICE, Victor Avila, also running for Congress. San Diego, California, I mentioned right before he called in, uh, they were making news just a couple of days back, releasing about 3,000 illegals into their community over several days because they're overrun in Southern California. Uh, Arizona also facing problems as well. As you mentioned, Eagle Pass, 
and El Paso. And now with these, this deportation pr- protection and the work permits for these Venezuelans, I know it's for a specific window of time for the Venezuelans, but all the folks in Venezuela are going to hear and other and the cartels are going to sell is a protection, a broadcast protection for Venezuelans. So as we see a flood of Venezuelans right now, Eagle Pass, I can just see this as a magnet, the, the worker protection and uh, the, I'm sorry, deportation protection and the worker permits for the, like almost a half million Venezuelans. Man, that, that's a huge magnet. I, I'm waiting to see a, a bigger flood coming in from Venezuela in the near future. And, and, the, and the problem here is that um, there's no vetting of these individuals. We know, and the D- Department of Homeland Security acknowledged that they know that Venezuela is releasing these prisoners from their prisons, from the rehabilitation centers. And so a lot of these people are not good people. I'm not saying it's all of them, but there's a lot of bad ones in there. I mean, um, we have the, 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 the situations and, and the stories to tell you, and I'm going to share one with you uh, that actually came in an individual that came in illegally through Eagle Pass uh, killed uh, a man here, murder, and he's finally been arrested. And it continues to happen over and over, Sergio. I'm I'm on my way to to Washington D.C. tomorrow to uh, support the Lost Voices of Fentanyl. This is a lost group, large group of uh, family members that have lost a loved one to a counterfeit pill that's laced with fentanyl and these poisonings. And there's hundreds of thousands of them they have been forgotten the victims uh, of uh, of their family members being the victim at the hands of an illegal alien let's not forget about them yeah. we have a lot of crime already to begin with in our communities and uh, i was just in san antonio it, it's raging with crime uh houston dallas fort worth all these areas and then I, I was in oklahoma and alabama speaking to the sheriffs and police officers over there And they're telling me, listen, we already have a big problem with our own communities. Now we're having to deal with cartel activity, methamphetamine, fentanyl, and illegal immigration people committing crimes. And they're just, they've thrown their hands up. Like, we don't have more police officers. We don't have more resources. It's still the same amount of people here. And all of a sudden, you have to absorb these thousands of people. I mean, I know you were saying the numbers. The numbers I have here is almost 50,000 people in the last four days have come in. 10,000 yesterday. This is this is not sustainable. It hasn't been sustainable. And now people are realizing that, wait a minute, I'm talking about both sides here of the aisle, are, uh, at least the, the citizens are saying, wait a minute, this is not right because these people, they're human beings and they need uh, housing, they need education, they need health care. And, and yes, the criminal justice system is heavily involved because a lot of people are committing a lot of crimes. Look at what's happening in New York and Massachusetts and Chicago. And, and we, you know, you and I, Sergio, have been talking about this for, for many years, and we could easily say, I told you so, but it doesn't do us any good. We have to have our legislators do something about it. That's why I'm running for Congress. Uh, it, it makes me very upset that no one is actually forcing the Biden administration to do something. As a matter of fact, the incumbent that I'm running against here, Sergio, is more focused on bringing more foreign workers uh, yeah, with they visa. want the cheap labor, and I'm thinking, what are you talking about? This yeah. is not—that's not the priority right now. The priority is to defend our state of Texas and our country, and that's what I'm ready to do. And I don't know if you saw this. I know my friend Dana; she talked plenty about it yesterday. Ben Shapiro talked about it, 6 p.m. on the program. Uh, Metro Houston, um, a development company called Colony Ridge Communities, and this 
developer funding uh, the what is being referred to as the largest settlement of illegal immigrants in the entire country, Houston area, Liberty County. Yep. 75,000 illegals uh, can call the area home. And they're, it's, a, it's, it's, it's almost like they're developing a city of illegal immigrants. It's a huge chunk of land in, in Liberty County to, to house all, all these folks. And real concern of, because as you mentioned, they're not being vetted, really truly being vetted. People coming in. It's, man, you have no idea what, what's going to be setting up there in Houston. And we can't, get well, a, we can't kick them out of, out of Texas fast enough to L.A., Chicago, and New York right now. We can't hire enough uh, charter buses to send people out of Texas right now. And, and that's a good point, Sergio. I was in San Antonio, and you talk about Liberty, Texas. Uh, a lot of them are not leaving Texas anymore. You know, we used to no. see everybody leave. And, yeah. yes, we still have a lot of them going to New York. But there's a lot of them staying. I talked to a bunch of uh, nationals from Nicaragua and Venezuela and San Antonio, and they're like, uh, no, no, we're, we've been here. We're staying here. Uh, you got released from the detention facility. No, we're we're staying here, and uh, they're just hanging out, committing crimes, burglarizing, doing a lot of bad stuff to because they need to eat. Some of them do work, uh, and and that's all these issues. And I've been to Liberty, Texas. Let me tell you, we are allowing this that that area. You talk about a sanctuary. It's not even a sanctuary city. This is a sanctuary for crime, for the human traffickers, for the human smugglers, for the fentanyl uh, distributors. Man, they have it easy. They're allowing them to do their, and they have their own rules, their own regulation, and no one tells them anything. We need to go back to basic law enforcement and enforcing our own laws that we passed, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for sounding the alarm on this, staying on topic as best as possible and, and trying to get the attention of microphones and cameras around you to pay attention to this issue. The soldier on, and Victor Avila, how do folks find you online uh, help support your campaign? Where are you, Vic? Please, please visit VictorAvilaForCongress.com. Join the team, uh, and, uh, and with your donations, are very welcome. VictorAvilaForCongress.com, and we can fix it. Okay, my brother. This is The Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Let's go to Dr. Phil. Yeah, the Dr. Phil, which for us means Dr. Phil Etheridge, a UTRGV criminal justice professor, criminal justice expert. Dr. Phil, how you been, amigo? It's been a while. Well, good morning, Sergio. It is great. and Nice to get your message today. Nice yeah. to hear from you. Yes, sir. I appreciate you setting aside a few minutes for us. Uh, before I talk about, ask you about uh, your thoughts on the state of Illinois going no cash bail, I just want to give you just a minute or two of just quick thoughts on Austin. Of course, the big news in Texas is Attorney General Ken Paxton beat the rap. <laughs> He's cleared by fellow senators. So just quick thoughts on what, what just took place the past couple of days up in Austin. Well, I followed this pretty closely, and what came out of the 
House of Representatives in uh, in Texas was amazing. Uh, it just seemed like birdshot all over the place. <laughs> but the reality, but the reality is, when you get to the state Senate in Texas, which for a long, long time has been the majority has been uh, Republicans. I could foresee this vote, and the vote came down over and over and over. I listened to it all. I watched it all. And I, I wasn't surprised. I, I think, unfortunately, uh, the split now is going to be a big split now, uh, and there's going to be internal battle with Republicans. But it was amazing to see it. Uh, now it's over, and I guess uh, Mr. Paxton still has some federal investigation going on. But I wasn't surprised at the outcome of the, the state senate at all in Texas. In some of the audio, I, you probably listened to a lot of audio from this, but there was – in all the audio cuts that we received in the snippets and the synopsis, all of this, I kept looking for the gotcha, the smoking gun, the evidence, the picture, the the check, the transaction, the email. It's like prosecutors, they showed up without the goods. They showed up. I did hear plenty of audio of hearsay. The witnesses that were put on the stand, law enforcement put on the stand saying, oh, well, did you see this? Uh, they were point blank as, did you see this? Did, did you witness this? Oh, no, somebody told me. What? Seriously, you're you're driving a case forward with, with hearsay, and it was over and over. It just seemed to me like these prosecutors showed up thinking that maybe they were going to get a smoking gun, get some evidence, or get somebody who actually saw some crime being committed and put them on the stand, but they showed up with a bunch of law enforcers that were professing hearsay. Or third party, or, or or secondhand information. What the hell happened with this prosecution? I just these these dudes just showed up without the goods. The the prosecutors. Well, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. And and also, when you really look at these charges, they're they're very bizarre, vague charges. And I really hadn't followed the exact charges, but when I listened and I watched them state each charge. I, I was really, biz- it was just bizarre. It really was bizarre. And I agree with you. It was not a criminal trial where somebody would say, you broke this law, this is what the law <laughs> says, yeah. and now we have the evidence, we have witnesses, we have physical evidence. So uh, I, I don't know what the the the, uh, the Speaker of the House wanted. I, I really don't know what uh, the people that voted for it was overwhelming in the House. Uh, but no, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think one of the, the comments the Lieutenant Governor said is now we're going to see how much it cost us. And I resent the fact that our legislatures were up there for weeks and weeks and weeks going through this. That cost us. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I agree with what you said, Sergio. Yeah, and, and likely more for a polyscience professor or an analyst to, to look at this. But it, it just seems, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe it's uh, a Democrats in Republican clothing or rhinos, whatever you call it, but it, it just seems that in Austin these Republicans are – uh, in, in civil war, and, and there might be there might be some political payback here pretty soon at the polls, where some of these individuals might be primaried out. But that's for that's for another conversation. Well, I'm sure there will be. We'll just have to wait for the yeah. next election cycle, which I guess starts this afternoon. Yeah, ab- <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, because uh, people filing for the primary coming up in Texas, and the filing deadline, I believe, would be in December for all races, uh, including the Texas House races that might be up for grabs as a result of this. Dr. Phil Etheridge, UTRGV. And he's an expert in in criminal sciences and and uh, in Illinois, the state of Illinois has decided to do away with cash bail. 
What in blazes is going on, Dr. Phil, up in Illinois? Well, what's interesting, and I just want to mention that the reason that cash bail came about, you know, hundreds of years ago, literally in the United States, was that people were being arrested in cities where nobody, nobody really knew them, unlike a very small town. And so this idea was if a person gets arrested, they can be released, but they have to put up some money. And uh, the theory was that they would come back to go to trial. And so cash bail was adopted uh, across the United States. What, what happened in Illinois, and I, I think this is another example of the split um, uh, in politics, is we have now uh, a, a Democrat governor, I guess a Democrat uh, legislature there, that looked at this and they basically said, look, bail, cash bail hurts people uh, that do not have money. Uh, if you have to stay in jail because you, you cannot come up with cash bail, uh, you may lose uh, your job, you're being taken away from your family. And so this idea uh, that now a judge is going to decide in nonviolent cases uh, whether that person can be released without, without posting any cash bail. Uh, and uh, some of the groups looking at this, uh, you've got police groups that are suing, You've got what would be like the district attorney groups that are suing, victims groups that are suing over this, because there is a fear that many individuals, even though it may be a nonviolent offense, are going to be released on their own. Now, what's interesting is, believe it or not, in the state of Texas, we have PR bond, mm -hmm. which is a personal reconnaissance bond, where a judge can say, I'm going to give you a $5,000, $10,000 bond, but I'm going to release you on a PR bond. Now, that is used sometimes because it's a nonviolent offense or the person or their lawyer can convince the judge, look, they're not going to escape, they're not going to go anywhere, they're not a continuing threat. However, there's still a mount of bond set in case there's a problem. This, this in Illinois uh, is very controversial uh, and is going to be attacked, especially by uh, the Republicans. But it's going to be very interesting to see how judges now, because the judges are going to be under uh, tremendous pressure. I, I saw an interview just a few minutes ago with a, um, a sheriff in one of the larger counties, and he said, look, we don't know what's going to happen, because now everybody in jail, okay, before this now, is trying to get their lawyers to say, hey, you know what, there's a new system, I can get out too. So it's, it's wow. going to be very controversial. Well. I mean, I, I think it's easy to forecast what's going to happen in Illinois. I see crime rate going up left and right. Might not be exponentially, but hey, you got somebody behind bars not committing crime who habitually commits crime and has no problem with breaking the law. You put those individuals by the hundreds, maybe thousands back on the streets uh, across the entire state of Illinois. It's only natural to see more offenses, more incidents, more encounters with police. That's the easy forecast. I don't see why folks don't don't see that. I would be shocked <laughs> beyond explanation if the crime rate crime incidents properly reported if that does not go up near future it's like you can you can break the law over and over and over again no cash bill no cash bill no cash bill it makes no sense Doc. much like the gun free zones and the gun ordinances they have in Illinois and yet Chicago always making top of the hour news and the number of people that got shot or killed every single weekend what what's the matter with those people what is there something in the water that's killing brain cells up in Illinois well, that's, that's the one side of this. And the other side is, 
what what happened in Illinois. And so, yes, it's going to be very controversial. And and if, as you say, what what happens is there is an increase in crime, uh, and I think many people are starting to say that uh, they're they're looking at this because the problem is this is not an experiment. You know, this is not let's do it for a couple of weeks and see what happens. This is now the law. Uh, yeah. And I don't know of any other state uh, that's that's looking at this, but I do know that everybody will be looking at uh, the short term, but more the long term to see what happens. Uh, and I, I can't imagine, even on a nonviolent crime, because they were even talking about burglary. If you were the victim of a burglary, if there was nobody hurt, that that person could be out. Well, tell the person that had their home burglarized or their business burglarized that now that person can get out on no bail. So, no, this is going to be very controversial. Yes, I was commenting earlier. I'm surprised that I don't hear these reports of U-Haul trucks leaving the state of Illinois. Common sense individuals, property owners or business owners or just people who would prefer the rule of law leaving Illinois, much like they're leaving California and New York, just crazy town, USA, for areas that, you know, well, they, at least they can defend themselves, for example, in other places of the country. I, I don't know what happened to, because you told me you're from Illinois. I mean, well, what happened to, this is the land of Lincoln. What happened to Illinois, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> well, it just, it just, you know, I, I, I don't want to simplify it, but it, it really truly shows uh, the differences in the politics. I mean, this, this is a Democrat uh, state uh, with a legislature that passed this, and it actually went to the, the Supreme Court in, in Illinois, mm-hmm. and they approved it. They approved and so, you know, too. the roles are reversed. In, in Texas, you have the majority of Republicans, Republicans on the court. In, in Illinois, it's the opposite where Democrats, and it shows yeah. in some of these very controversial issues what can happen with those differences in the politics. There you go. Congratulations for voting Democrat. There you go. It's a <laughs> modern incarnation of the Democrat part. Dr. Phil, be safe, my brother. And how's the semester right. going for? Are you teaching this semester or are you doing some research? What are you doing over at the, the I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I want to update you. I retired oh, recently. I didn't know. Yeah. I, well, congratulations. 30, 35 years. 35 years. So yeah. I'm. I'm out and about waiting for Sergio to call me so we can discuss <laughs> Attaboy. Okay, well, Zach will be calling you for the afternoon All show right, you as take well. Care, Sergio. Yeah, you Bye-bye. watch, Doc. They'll be calling you back. Hey, Doc, could you please come back and teach a couple of uh, courses this coming semester? So we'll be, call- we'll be calling you uh, Dr. Phil Etheridge, Professor Emeritus at uh, for Criminal oh, Justice. Something like that. Yeah, over <laughs> at the like universe. That. All right, Doc. This is the Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. New information from the Department of Housing and Urban Development. We all know that housing cost is going through the roof. And you can imagine how baby boomers are getting hit hardest as many baby boomers are now on retirement savings. Uh, 
a retirement check, Social Security checks as well. So check out some of the data that was recently published. So from 2007 to 2017, the percentage of individuals over 50 in homeless shelters rose from 16.5%, 16 to 23%, a rate greater than what had been expected as far as an increase. In 2018, the department started tracking people 55 and older in homeless shelters, and the figure rose from 16.3% to 19.8%, almost 20% in 2021. Let me go to California, where we keep hearing all these headlines and reading all this news on how they're always dealing with homeless issues. Northern California, Silicon Valley, well-to-do people with education, still living in tents and in cars up there. L.A., no better. they they got situations, really bad situations. And it's not only folks who are drug addicted. It's, it's folks, families, young families. They, they just can't make ends meet. Victor Angel from California has been helping the homeless for a while. I want to start with what you do for a living, Victor, and how you've been helping the homeless. Tell me about your organization, your efforts through the years. Thank you, Sergio, for having me. Yes, yes sir. Uh, our organization, it's a social enterprise. We are Give Soap, and we pretty much just impact the lives of these people um, by the products that we sell online. We're a soap company, and it's a one-for-one concept. So every time someone you know purchases a bar, we're able to give back to different organizations and communities. Um, but essentially, we started simply by way of outreach and um, servicing this community by handing out waters, soap bars, and then um, setting up tents and, and really just going back to the basics of connection. And we did this by way of washing of the feet. How many years you've been doing this, Victor? This is year three. This is year three for you. What what got you yeah. started? With the pandemic or what? Yeah, yeah. 2019 was where my story kind of uh, uh, started. My, my story started, right, with, with the outreach project. So had a very successful business in the Airbnb space, probably one of the largest hosts in downtown uh, areas and in a few other cities. And during the pandemic is when um, I lost everything. And so it was in losing everything that I started to really, you know, really open my eyes to to the issues that, that were that were going on, especially during the pandemic. You know, I saw the rise and increase of the homelessness and um, saw the tents, you know, lined up, rose and you know, that, that really hit home, especially considering, you know, I, I had experienced so much success, but I wasn't able to, or I didn't at that time, you know, um, make it a point to give back. And so I wanted, I wanted to redirect that, that uh, area of my life. And so that's okay. where Gift Soap was birthed from. Gift Soap is the name, right? Gift Soap. Is that the dot .com? Giftsoap.com? Is that the website? Get, gives give soap that's g-i-v-e-s-o-p-e so it's a play on words soap is spelled that way in particular because it's really hope that we're giving through our soap all right spell it one more time for me g-i-v-e-s-o-p-e yeah like hope but soap give soap exactly dot com is that the website dot dot com yes okay so in that time when the pandemic hit and your finances and your income stream got ruined. Did you have a chance to do one-on-one and talk with lots of folks living in tents and living in, I don't know, downtown LA? Where were you at the time that all this hit? I was living in downtown. I was in an apartment building in LA, uh, right on spring. Yeah. On, on LA. So spring is, is a, it's a very, you know, uh, heavy traffic street and, um, where I was seeing a lot of these problems. Um, so I just, you know, one day just driving around, 
I started to see rows and rows of tents and it wasn't just Skid Row at, at this at this time. It was reaching even, you know, further out into the city. So, um, yeah, I just, I couldn't help but notice the, the ongoing issue. And so I just, uh, you know, it hit me one day, you know, I'm, I'm a believer and, you know, Christ came to me and knocked on the door and I answered the call and he, he said, go out and serve. And, yeah. and this is how. Okay. <laughs> so you're able to pay the bills then with your work, your ministry, right? Give soap.com. You're able to, and also help folks that are still homeless in California, right? Correct. Correct. I mean, in the beginning, we're just starting to really pick up sales, but in the beginning, you know, a lot of it was just, you know, my, I guess my efforts, right. And people around me, people that supported me, people that saw the vision. Um, but it was really, it was really like me getting down on the ground and, you know, just giving away of what I had personally. And so, but now we're, you know, we're a little bit more established. We have some pretty uh, good connections, different organizations that support us as well. And, uh, yeah, friends, family, and, and, you know, when we go out there and network as well. From Southern California, Victor Angel, Mr. Angel, he's with GiveSoap.com, G-I-V-E-S-O-P-E, like hope, GiveSoap.com, and they're helping out homeless folks in, in Southern California. And in your three years of experience in dealing with the homeless and organizations trying to help out the homeless, just ballpark figure, ballpark figure, Vic. How many would you, like, parse it for me. Would you say folks who are homeless, and there's a huge chunk of, of, of folks, big population in Southern California that's homeless, would you say, what, half of them are families? One-third of them are families. The rest are folks that are poisoned, poisoning themselves, and they're slaves to chemical dependency? Or how, how would you describe the homeless population in Southern California? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say uh, half of them are families, are families. Uh, right. and by families, I mean, you know, even, even, you know, husbands and wives, uh, some kids, unfortunately, you know, I, I have a young one, so it breaks my heart to see, you know, six months, one year, two years on the street. Um, but yes, half of them are, are families. Um, the other half, I would say, you know, just single, single members and uh, a large portion are affected, unfortunately, by drugs and alcohol. But I see oftentimes that, you know, it's, it's, uh, a lot of these people have normal lives, just like you and I. You know, they go to they go to work. Uh, a lot of them use uh, gyms or refresh centers to shower and, and wow. get ready. And um, I see this all the time. So uh, you know, we the stigma that we have behind, you know, I guess the um, the average homeless person. You know, we 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 def there definitely is a stigma around that, and uh, that's this one thing I'm really looking to change and really, you know, peel the onion. Uh, to society and our community. Would it be, I don't know, like for some of these folks who are working and they're pulling in an income, they just can't afford housing, can't afford rent, would it be as easy for them to just maybe save up a few dollars and they have very few things, maybe take a bus to Texas or Florida or somewhere else where the cost of living is really affordable. They could be in an apartment in no time and still work uh, several jobs in order to make ends meet. Do you think that would be possible? I think that would be possible, um, but a lot of the times what I'm finding as well is that, you know, living on the street, <clears throat> you do have to watch your back, you know, you, you could be sleeping one night and you have a, a burglar come in and, you know, w- with a weapon or, or tool of some sort, and I, I've, I've, as a matter of fact, I have a, a, a time where I met this gentleman, his name was Jerry, he, he came to me, you know, bleeding from the head, blood all over his shirt, and he had told me he got mugged the night before. And so people lose their, their 
their their life essentially. They lose their their belongings, their ID, their social security card, birth certificates. So you know, being on the street and, and not having those items, you know, is very important, especially when trying to find a job, uh, transportation, and things of that nature. So you know, it's, it's I guess it's a lot harder than we think. Um, yes, sir. Than we imagine. Victor, is it as easy as people just go on the website and buying some of your soap? That way you can continue helping folks on the street? Is it that easy? It's that easy. Okay. Yeah, you just change, you just change your soap. <laughs> G-I-V-E-S-O-P-E.com, like hope, soap. G-I-V-E, give, soap, S-O-P-E, dot com. Thanks, Victor. Look forward to talking with you again, brother. Uh, you take care. This is The Sergio Show.